good people. How y'all doing? All right now. Well, we are the Max, uh, sometimes known as Mr. and Mrs. Max, sometimes known as Team Mac. Um, as Pastor Dale said, we've been married for 17 years. We've been courting each other victoriously for 19. Um, this is my best friend. She is my girlfriend. She is my wife. And then there's a whole nother side to us. She is my road dog. She's my ride-or-die chick. You got to have some years in order to get them titles right there. Um, now, you know, this could have went totally different. I, I, you know, she could have introduced me, and I could have. <laughs> okay? I couldn't do that? All right, I couldn't do that. All right. Anyhow, we are here, a third installment of Family Matters, to uh, talk about marriage. Um, but I'm going to ask you to put your seatbelts on because we're not going to talk about it the way you think we are, okay? And so I just want to take this opportunity just to ask you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And while you're going there, we're just going to take the opportunity to go ahead and open up in prayer, and then uh, we'll get started. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we esteem you. We thank you, Lord God, just for who you are. And we thank you, Lord God, that you have called us by name for an assignment such as this. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask, oh God, as we surrender ourselves unto you, have your good and perfect way. Say what you need to say and open up the hearts and minds of everyone in attendance, Heavenly Father, that, Lord God, they will leave here with something, Lord God, to chew on, Lord God. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you. Amen. Amen. I want to remind Mrs. Mack of 13, 14 years ago when we first started in Oakland Unified School District. The administrator called me into his office and he said, uh, Mr. Mack, I need you to close the door. And I closed the door and I sat down. He said, I, I, I got to question I want to ask you. I said, what's that? He said, how do you do it? I said, how do I do what? Y'all marry. Y'all work here together every day. Y'all do ministry outside of here. Y'all go home. Y'all like each other? I said, yeah. He said, how do you do it? And that's what we want to talk to you about today, is how we, how we are doing it, because we're not done, far from done. Marriage is a very broad topic, and so this is something that can have a part two, three, four, etc. But I want to start off just by saying that what we have is an active marriage. It's an active marriage. The Bible speaks about lively stones. We are lively stones, okay? And when we look at an active marriage, the best way to define an active marriage is it is coming together in the beginning. Number two, keeping together in progress. And number three, working together in success. This is a process. This is a journey. What we have did not develop overnight. And so there were some things that we both had to learn coming into this covenant that we have before God. Now, really quickly, the world defines a single person as someone who is unmarried, not in a serious committed relationship, not part of a civil union. That's cool. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul 
basically talks about how singleness is a gift from God. I think that Paul was like, some of us need to change our perspective. He even basically said, you know, he, he was one who was not married. And he was like, look, I'm about ministry. I'm about serving the Lord. Now, if you are one, you are about serving the Lord and caring for a spouse, you do what you do. That's not me. But I think that that is a question that definitely a person needs to go kick rocks with God about. Are you one that is supposed to be married? Okay, now, I was saying to you just a second ago, looking at Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, and it says, and for some of my study buddies in the house and online, I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and tend it. Now, the thing that we don't trip off of with this particular verse is the fact that after Adam was created, God placed him somewhere. And when you begin to take a look at that word cultivate and you begin to uh, translate that down, you uh, find out in the, 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 the ways translated that there, are, there, there are these two words that say to be or become. To be or become in the Hebrew is hayah. And so basically God, no, 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 I, I didn't say hayah, Andy. Uh, see over here. But if that's going to help you remember it, yes. Okay, yes. I, believe it or not, I had to do that myself. Oh, that's how, oh, I got to remember that one. Okay. Um, believe it or not, the Lord basically told Adam, I'm placing you here in this garden. Now, become yourself. Come on. Come on. Become yourself. Before I could ask this woman to marry me, I had to discover who I was. I could not offer up myself on a garbage can lid. I realized that who I was asking was a woman who was doing things. And so quiet as kept, she was like, either you can come along for the ride or I can leave you here. But you cannot be a parked car. I'm going to let you sit with that one for a second. <laughs> the challenge, whether male or female, would you be willing to discover your identity in Christ? Because it is in your identity in Christ that relationships develop. Okay? Now, we want to give you four points that work itself into the testimony of our marriage. How did it work? What did you do? And one thing that single folks will ask us is, how did you prepare? So, Ms. Mack, I want to let you go ahead and start. Okay. Speak on it. Let's get started. I want to start off by um, encouraging my single folks, okay? Because oftentimes we talk to singles and say, you know, living your life victorious as you wait for your mate. Let me put a pin in that for a second and kind of just do away with that. Stop acting like singleness is the holding space to what God has for you and say what God has for you is whatever God says. What that means is, I don't care that it's about to be Thanksgiving and Nana's about to ask you, are you dating yet, baby? Do you got any prospects? 
I have Jesus. And I have the filling of the Holy Spirit. And what he says I will do, I will do. And if that means that I don't have a physical person with me, but I am free to pray all night. And I am free to go wherever he sends me. I don't have to check in with anybody to do it. I'm properly placed to be used by the Lord. So now, I want to say that because I want my single people who are under the burden and pressure of society to find a mate by a certain time, have a child by a certain time, get a picket fence and a dog, stop, stop, okay? All right, pumpkins? All right. We're going to release ourselves from that so that you can prepare if it's for the one God will send you, blessed be the name of the Lord. If it's to be greater used for the ministry, the work of the Lord in your life, in your purpose and destiny, blessed be the name of the Lord. So this is for everybody. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Y'all good today. We're going to dig on in. So let's talk about preparation. One of the things that the Lord did impress upon my heart when prior to us dating was, and I remember my grandmother saying this, baby, if something, if you have a difficult time being alone by yourself, something's going on with you. If you can't never be alone, you can't sit in silence for a minute? And I was like, I should go check that. And as a young adult, I did go through a process in time where I did not have all these people around me friends and kicking it and doing I mean I did don't get me wrong I'm not perfect I did some things but there was a time where the Lord was like I need you to go sit down somewhere and be alone with me and I didn't know what he was preparing me for when he was preparing me I need you to sit down and get along with me because if you don't get along with me you'll never know who you're supposed to be I was a young person working for a staffing company, making great money. I was trying to go to Berkeley. I was taking classes. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And the Lord was like, and how's that working out for you? Do you know who you are yet? I was going out on the weekends, partying. I was playing church. For all those of you who've played church, don't think you've done it by yourself. God is, God, listen, God is good. He can bring you out of playing church into actually being the church. I was doing all the right things, but I had no clue of who I was because I was so enamored and so around all the stuff. And God said, I need you to be okay being alone. I said, oh, okay, I could be alone. And he said, no, 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 alone with me. Turn off your music. Turn off this and that. I need you to hear my voice. I need you to hear my voice. And so he took me to 1 Kings chapter 19, 4 and 15. So I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of this just so you don't have to go trying to figure out, well, what happened there and this and the other, but you should go look it up. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 4 through 15. This was um, Elijah. He had just gone and talked to all the prophets of Baal and they had been sitting there all day doing all they were doing, cutting themselves and crying out and sha ba 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 whatever they were doing. Whatever it was they were doing that didn't work, they did that. And then he had literally called down fire from heaven and then killed all of the prophets of Baal. Big win, W column. And then immediately got afraid of the threat against his life and ran off. Okay? Because we can actually have big wins outside and still not have what we need to know within us. And so we got to go sometimes sit by ourselves. And during one of these times where he was having one of those highs and lows and highs and lows, the Lord said, go sit and wait for me to talk to you. He goes and sits in a cave. Earthquake crumbs, big shaking, da 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 da. He's like, okay, Lord, is that you? It's not the Lord. Fire and wind, all this stuff comes. That's, that's not him either. Finally, he hears a whisper. And in that still, small voice, Scripture says, he heard the Lord. What if he was so around other people, other things, doing the next best-looking thing, the prophet-looking thing, that he hadn't gotten quiet enough 
and by himself enough to hear the Lord say, now I'm about to have you do this in that still quiet voice. So my question to you, and this is for my married folks too, because we get real, marriage and family can make things noisy. You still have to get alone because you're not going to stand before the Lord on the family plan. Okay? This is not like your phone plan. You're standing on your own. When you get alone with the Lord, you attune your ear to him through the word, through prayer. And he can speak to you about your becoming, about who you're supposed to be, about your identity. This is, who we, this is what we want because you cannot bring yourself to somebody else and you don't know who you are. Hi, I'd like you to meet. Shoot. I should have figured out who I was. So now I'm, I'm taking you through the task of getting to know me while I get to know me. And now we in therapy before we ever started. What? Second Samuel chapter six, first Samuel chapter 16 also speaks of this. First Samuel chapter 16, we know that David was anointed for kingship. He was anointed to be king. And yet and still, he went to the backside of the mountain and continued watching sheep. This is essential because even when God shows you facets of who he's calling you to be, that does not mean you run around yelling, king me, wife me, husband me. No, stay, keep me near you. So that once I get identity, you can begin to have them find me moving in it. He didn't stop with the sheep and then go say, you know, hey, I got this. Sheep stink. I need a crown. No. Function in the purpose that God called you. The person that God has called you to may very well find you as you're functioning in your purpose. Okay? My second one. So the first one is to be okay being alone with God. My second one is to build or allow the Lord to build a circle that will prepare you for your future. So this goes along with what my brother Andrew ministered last week. Get you some good friends. Get you some friends. I'm sorry, I should say that probably more. You should acquire friendships. I'm sorry, an English major, I should do better. Acquire friendships and relationships that will benefit you. Okay? And the reason this is essential is because, you know, I know myself. I, I know me. Pride, chill, get your life. And here's the reason why. We get caught up in our own propaganda sometimes. I'm proud of myself. I'm a college grad. I have my master's and my doctorate. I run a, I do, I do, I do, I am, I pray, I fast, I'm holy, I'm a this. I'm, okay, and you still gonna bow. You still gonna bow. All that's gonna bow before the king. And so when we're looking at this, we're looking at um, Judges chapter 11. Judges chapter 11, this one kind of took me because the Lord led me to this one and I was like, why is this essential, Lord? He said, okay, let me talk about the vow that was made by Japheth. If you give me this victory, I will sacrifice the very first thing that runs out of my house. And who runs out of his house? His daughter. Oh, that's a price I don't know that I, I'm looking at my son right now. I'm like, I don't know, Jesus, please don't make me do it. But here's what kills me. She says, okay, well, if you have to do this, can I grab some of my girls and go to the mountain to mourn for a couple of months that I will never marry? He says, yeah. They go. They mourn, they weep, they do. They come back and she willingly does what was asked of her. Now, here's what killed me about her friends. They didn't sit there, girl, look. <laughs> you got to live your life, boo. <laughs> hey, your daddy's saying stupid stuff. That's his life. He could lay up there. You, I mean, you ain't, even, you ain't even had no man. You ain't, I mean, you know, you ain't had nobody hug up on you, girl. I, let's run. I'll run with you, girl. I'm down. You know them ones. You know you ones. Bruh. Bruh. You know you want to do. Uh-uh. These friends said, if this is the destiny, I will stand with you to gird you up for what you have to do. Get you some friends that will contend with you. 
If God called you to missions, we will pray for the funding. We will pray for the locale and we will cover you while you go. And if you get scared along the way, baby, you don't have time to be disobedient. We're going to come help you pack. You're getting on the plane. Get you some people that will speak into your destiny. You want to live this life for Christ? We will keep you. We will walk with you. Lord also sent me to, um, there was another scripture that he sent me to, and I was like, wow, this one's kind of crucial, Jesus. 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19 is when Absalom is acting a total nut. Nut, okay? David has his people looking for him the whole nine. He gets killed. Absalom, the same son who slept with his concubines, took over his kingdom, talked bad about him. You know that one, that one. And his men have left their city, left their families, fought on his behalf, gone without eating, gone without sleeping, gone without the finer things. You know what I'm saying? And he cries for his son. And I mean, he weeps. They say, oh, Absalom, my son. No, no, no. This brother was mourning. And I understand as a parent, the mourning he's talking about. But he also had, a son. This, this was someone who was against him. And Joab had to come to him and say, let me use you. Bruh, you sitting here crying and these men ain't ate, they ain't slept, they've done nothing but serve you. Get your butt up, wash your face, and go thank these men and go before the Lord that he preserved your life before they all turn on you and I'm going with them. Have you some friends that will help you get and keep your righteous mind? Because when we are out of order, and don't lie and say you not, we all do it. When we get out of order, we get in our flesh, we get in our feelings, we get in our past, we get in our stuff. We need somebody to say, okay, uh-uh, I need you to pull it back together. I have a very close friend. I just talked with her the other night. She will call me and say, the Lord had you on my mind. I need you to get out of that place you're in right now because I hear it in your voice and get back on, the, on your face. Get on your face. And I can call her. Hey, girl. I called her last night. I will pray that God speaks to and through you. You don't get to talk. Only him. And we love each other because we keep each other from going off the rails and having to repent for something. When God said, no, I sent you someone to speak accountability to you. This is essential when we're looking to partner with anybody because we need to know how not to fly off the rails. They shouldn't have to get you off the track, pull you from falling off the tracks over a bridge. Don't be an untethered train. Right? You have two more. I think you have some. <laughs> Sorry, I don't transition well. It's just going to have to be that, you know. Go back. I mean, we could open the church doors now. You don't My parents were married for 36 years till my father's death. These were two people who did not like each other. They only stayed together because of myself and my siblings. And in watching them, first and foremost, I was like, if this is what marriage looks like, I don't want it. And then when the opportunity came that I wanted to be with someone, there were some two things, two major things, first and foremost, that I had to accept. The first one was that love is not the foundation of marriage. Say it again. It is not the foundation of marriage. I had to learn that love does not make marriage work. Because if it did, we wouldn't have the high divorce rate we have in this country. Come on. Come on. That's letting us know that there are some other things that were a lot more powerful than love. I like architecture, skyscrapers, and I like the way they've been built but I am not handy-mandy. I cannot build them. I love them, but I can't build them. So I cannot place myself in a position to say 
that it is totally love that is keeping 17 years together. It is an ingredient, but it's not all of it. I had to learn that love is not the problem. The problem is knowledge. Proverbs chapter four, verses seven and eight says, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. In other words, I needed to understand what did it mean to be a man? I needed to understand her characteristics. I needed to understand how forgiveness works. I needed to understand how do I communicate with her on Tuesday at 1.30. I needed to understand that inside of this grown woman is a little girl. And that I dare not destroy the little girl. That's two ways. It goes both ways. The second thing, which in a whole lot of conversations with men, this goes awry. Why? Because we're men and we bark. My dog up in here. Okay. Check this out. In marriage, I don't have a problem submitting to her. See, it takes a man to be able to submit to a woman. Let me say it another way. Men, and and maybe women too, But men, we got to start learning. I heard it this morning. We got to start learning how to be anti-inflammatory. We so busy walking around here acting like we got it. And and, and, no. We are quick to give a woman a brochure. That brochure looks good. It is well. The color, the trifold, man. I'm popping, but the product stinks. Women have an issue with the fact I am tired of defective product. And I don't want to marry a man that causes me to be in a position where I am contributing to the delinquency of a minor. These were the things that I had. See, see, it's called discipline. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Once I understood what these things meant, I had to accept that I had some issues that I needed to work on. And that she should not be responsible for having to deal with it. I had to place myself in a position where um, I had to grow up. See, it's really interesting when we talk about how we need to grow up until we get next to someone who's growing up as well. So when I take a look at that, I I look at when I look at submission, I'm I'm looking at the fact that in the book of Ephesians, Paul uh, 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 was talking about how, you know, uh, wives should submit to their husbands. But we don't even see verse 21 above that where he basically is like submission to each other. Let me break that down for you real quick. When we were courting, 
I asked her a question. We we on the phone. She at work, I'm at work. Both of us should have been fired because didn't nobody get no work Probably. that day. Probably. Okay? And I asked her, I said, can you cook? She said, yeah, I can cook. She said, can you? I said, yeah. She said, yeah, okay. I said, why you say that? She said, because my brothers talk about how they can cook. I said, oh, no, 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 I, I, can, I can cook. I said, what's your favorite food? She said, Italian. I said, I got you. Now, later on, I, 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 I fixed exactly what she wanted. Now, here's when you know you're in there. Because I served her her plate, went back to make mine. When I came back, all I heard was the fork hit the plate. That plate was done. I'm in there. Good. I didn't kick that field goal. All right? Hold on a second. But I'm not that good at finances. But she is. She can make a dollar out of 15 cent. She know how to flip it. It took us a moment to where I could get her to understand. I submit to you. You're better at this than I am. I don't have a problem being the neck while you be the head. Tell me what you need me to do. Reggie, pay this bill. Aye, Captain. Because I know that I am not good in that area. Yes, ma'am. She's telling me my time is up. My time is always up. We want to invite Andrew and Sarah up here right now. Come on up here, y'all. Y'all give them a round of applause, please. And we just want to just have some dialogue just about relationships and marriage. So we're going to, brother, you put shoes on. <laughs> this brother been walking around here barefooted. He got some nice feet. You know, if I'd have took off my shoes and socks, no, there would have, no. huh? There would have been a bear out here to tell us how we could prevent forest fires. Okay. Um, I prepared, like, I wanted to show off my feet a little bit. So I was like. Brother, they swayed, though. They kicking. Are you, what's, can we? Let's see, you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? The ladies is seeing the guys are there. Brother is sharp. Go ahead. I just, can we explain this? I just don't, when the worship team comes back up, I just don't want anybody to look at our worship leader's shoes because you may find that we're wearing the exact same shoes because someone may have forgotten to bring my shoes today. Just saying. I don't know who, but I love her so much. Okay. That's what's up. Amen. Well, we just want, thank you so much for what you're sharing. It's already been so good. I wish we could just give you the rest of the time, but thank you for inviting us up to be able to ask some questions for us. You know, I guess to just start us off, like right on what you were just talking about, the whole love isn't what makes marriage last. But man, if I can be honest, like one thing that I'm just kind of ringing in my mind is like that I get scared of because if, if I'm really brutally honest, like I, I know that one of my strengths is not, like perseverance. Like I feel like I'm not known to be one who's gonna like stick it through to the end no matter what, like, you know, what work ethic or what, that kind of stuff. So sometimes I get scared of myself. Like what happens when that honeymoon feeling ends? You know, and when does it end? Like, cause it doesn't feel like it's ended at all. We've been dating two and a half years. We're gonna get married in February. Oh, we didn't, we just announced that. Oh. Um, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and, yeah, <laughs> you're all in, no, just kidding. And um, it hasn't ended. I'm just like, when will it? And what am I supposed to do when it does? And how can we see it coming? Because I don't want to get blindsided. I, I don't know if you ever get scared of that, but. 
Yeah, I guess so. It's it's been so good, honestly. Two and a half years, and we still get the butterflies every single time we see each other. And it's probably because we don't live together. Um, but yeah, it's like, what if we're in the same room? We just don't want to be in the same room. Um, I'm sure you guys have had days like that too. So it's like, how do we look forward to some uglies in the future? Yeah, and how can we be realistic about it? Yeah. I think, um, first and foremost, um, knowing is the first step. Knowing that there will be times where I would rather you just not be in the room with me and there's nothing wrong, I just don't feel like seeing you right now, is a thing. And oftentimes we make that sound like that's rude or mean. But God birthed you an individual with your own likes, dislikes, idiosyncrasies, hobbies, interests, ways of recharging. And you need that. And you need to be okay knowing who you are. Like, I am clearly an extrovert. I'm out here. Hey, how you? You know what I'm saying? Like, he knows if we go somewhere, I'm about to meet everybody, find two friends, maybe find a distant cousin, and we've exchanged numbers, and we're about to be Facebook friends, and, you know, we're flying to Sydney. Like, he's like, what? Like, how did you meet that person? So I love being around people. He needs to recharge in a quiet way. Now, he'll be at the same function. By the wall, he'll speak to people, he'll survey the space. paper. Full. But he'll catch everything that happens in the space. And so when I know, when he knows I need to charge, I'll say, oh, I'm going together with my sisters. And that's over. Okay, fine. Because the individual in me needs that. The individual in him needs to be in a room sometimes by himself. Sometimes just with plain old quiet and not be sleep. I don't even understand that. But that's unnecessary. And so we had to talk about who am I? What do I need? And remember this about love. It's not what keeps a marriage together, but it is a choice. Love is a choice. The butterflies are cute. That's not love. That's a feeling. That's good. Yay. Yay. The butterfly's going to end when he don't put it, pick up his socks. I don't know if you don't pick up your socks, but I probably just told on you. I'm sorry. The butterfly's going to end when she never knows where she left her last glass. Just saying. Somebody may do that. But the choice is, no matter what's going on, I've made the choice to walk the distance. I've made the choice. Marriage will teach you perseverance if you don't give yourself an escape route. I think the thing that I want to add first and foremost is um, the two of you are coming together making a covenant before God. So it's not just you two, it's God involved as well. That's first. The next thing is you want to keep Jesus consistently there. Your likes, your dislikes are not always going to be the same. But that prayer is, Lord, renew what you have allowed me to have for my mate every day. There are times you will not understand what that means. You will get off your knees and finish praying, Lord, amen. And she or he has a mouthful. And now, just like Andrew's mouth right now, you sitting there. I renew my love, Lord. You know what I'm saying? But you made a covenant. Okay? You made a covenant. Keep Jesus in it continuously. And I have to say this about that. The covenant is not so much between you two. You two are making a covenant with him. We, 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 and I want to clear that up for everybody. We, they're making a covenant to one another. No, this was his covenant. You all are together coming for his covenant. So the love you're going to seek that would keep what you feel would be the honeymoon, the consistency, you're going to get from the one you covenanted with. 
He's got to be the center. See, I'm saying to you, you want to keep Jesus involved. It's just like when somebody gets saved. That's all they want is Jesus. They're happy about Jesus. Happy birthday. I just got saved. They just, oh, man, I was in the word and I was praying and ooh. And I'm like, okay, but that's going to wear off in a moment. And when it wears off, what do you do then? And that is where you begin to dig your heels in and you start to learn each other. You learn who each other is. You learn how you communicate. You learn. You become a sponge. You stay teachable. Marriages that have lasted for 50, 60 years is because both of them remained teachable. Well, I do got a follow-up question to that. Just like, I don't know how to word this, but it's, like in our relationship, there have been times where, um, by the grace of God, a lot of times it's like when I'm feeling down or in need, she's able to be like strong and like there for me. And there's times where she's down and needs me to be able to support her and stuff. But then there are times when we're both in need or kind of upset or something, and we both kind of need something from each other, but also have nothing to give. So maybe the question is like, how do you give or how do you choose to love when you feel empty or you feel like you're in need? Is that? That does make sense. Um, there's a couple of different strands to that answer. Number one, a couple always needs a couple to walk with them. And I'm not talking about a lateral situation. I'm talking about somebody who's seen a few winters together and they're and they still together and they actually are going before the Lord together. You need that because there's going to be times where you will need to ask questions and it may not be with her. It might not be we're having a cute meeting like I need to get this and you need someone who can walk you through. I need to understand how to do this and you need someone to walk you through. That's number one. Always any marriage that does not have someone pour another marriage pouring into them. I'm a little concerned because that means y'all just rogue out here leaning to yourself. And even though you have the Lord, the Lord puts us in community, right? That's number one. Number two, you need to have your own times with the Lord so that he can fill you. Oftentimes, if he's depleted and I'm depleted and I have nothing to give to him and he has nothing to give to me, Both of us have been lagging in our time with him. And so if that means that, and he's, so he's an early bird. He gets up at four and five and three, four and five in the morning. His time with the Lord is then so like, okay, I've got to purpose myself to get up. And I'm like, okay, you go to bed. Because me me and the Lord have things at one o'clock. One a.m., we're doing our thing. I need to then, he needs to then intentionalize our God time. Because when we intentionalize our God time, he's not going to leave everybody on the field or everybody on the watchtower. He's going to have one able to cover the other and vice versa. You understand what I'm saying? He will have you strategic place because absolutely will you get depleted. Yes. Absolutely will he get depleted. Yes. Right? But if we're in the presence of the Lord... Asking the Lord to show us where we need to be, he will then direct you to win. Because if she's feeling low, God will have fortified you and vice versa. So my question, my, my, my thought pattern becomes, A, who's pouring into you on a couple level? B, what is your individual time looking like? Because if you're forsaking that, you're going to have an empty cistern. You can't pour from an empty cistern. Um, I guess I have a question just about fighting. It's, it's something we don't do very often, so it's actually, we're not very experienced in it, um, and we want to do it well. Uh, we're doing marriage counseling right now, and um, the counselor was like, if a couple comes to us and says we never fight, those are red flags all over the place. So there are moments where we do get into fights, and I think because we're so inexperienced with it, we don't know how to do it fair. Sometimes I might just feel like I'm entitled to, to my anger, 
Um, and you don't get to react to that. Um, so I feel like we want to ask, how do, you, how do you fight there? Yeah. I knew this question was going to come up. <laughs> I don't know how I knew this question was going to come up. First of all, your counselor was right. Anybody who says, oh, you don't fight, we never fight, they are lying. <laughs> and I want you to put some oil on them and pray them through, okay? You're going to fight sometimes. The goal is not to fight. But you're two individuals, two different life histories, rooted stuffs, ideologies sometimes that need to be figured out, worked out, shifted and unified, idiosyncrasies, irritants that now have not only brought your lives together, but now you live in the same house. It's cute when he can go home and you can go home. But now you live in the same house. And so, yes, those things are going to grade at some things. Um, one of the things we had to learn, this is early on, was when I'm irritated at you or when I'm arguing with you, is this because of something you actually did? Or is this triggering something in my root system I need to go deal with? So you said it that way, and it sounded like how my mother used to say it. And when my mother used to say it, it would elicit a response in me that was unfavorable. And so now I'm going to give you everything I didn't give her. No, 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 no. Unfair. Unfair. That's not fighting fair. And so we need to begin to say in peace times. Sometimes this is good why I, I have a shirt that I wear. I wear it a lot. Jesus and therapy. It's good. Get you some. Even if nothing's wrong, go get you some. It's good. And here's the reason why. I had to learn that some things were rooted. There were certain ways he said things that were the way my mother may have said it or the way my dad may have said it, my stepdad may have said it or my dad may have said it. And they didn't mean any harm. They didn't know any other way, but it triggered me because it made me feel less than or stupid or, and I have a problem with, I don't like to, I don't want to feel stupid. I can feel a lot of things but not stupid. And so he would say something that would trigger that. He didn't even mean it that way. And he's like, why are you so... And then we finally began... I, hold on. He said, is this something rooted for you? And I was like, what do you mean rooted? You know, you know, I'm sorry. You are wonderful, by the way. I, you... um, but we began to use that as one of our safe words, kind of. Oh, this thing is rooted. I, I, I'm realizing this is a rooted thing for me. So let's pause. Let me go do me, because otherwise I'm going to take out on you all this back stuff. That's not fair. So that's, that's one of my things that I would say. Fighting fair is if the issue is the issue, deal with the issue, not to rehearse the issue to solve the problem. But if it brings up a rooted thing in you, stop. Deal with your root. connected to that as men that should not be a word in our vocabulary with our mate fighting my dad used to say if I have to fight with her I don't need her because this is my mate so I should be more careful with what I'm saying a word. Well, what does that mean? Words and how they're delivered. Tone and delivery. Sometimes it's what you say. Sometimes it's how you say it. And then other times it's how it's caught. You didn't necessarily intend for it to be taken that way. And this is where we have to slow down and pay attention to what's being said. One thing that we have had to discuss on a regular basis is let's not communicate where the next person who is uh, listening is really not listening. You're only thinking about what you're going to say next. 
slow down and listen. Because oftentimes our words, our tone, and our delivery cut like a knife. And then you're in a position of asking for forgiveness you won't receive at that moment. So you want to slow down and listen to each other's heart. Let me also say something. You, you, you mentioned something that I have to agree with. We don't actually use the word fight. Do we disagree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we have disagreements? Absolutely. But as someone who may have fought a little in her past, I don't fight him. I know how to fight. I'm good at it. I don't, well, I used to be. I'm not. The Lord delivered me. Bless Jesus. Holly. I am the safest man on this planet. Y'all <laughs> just don't, don't right. realize. I have, I, I have no problem with fisticuffs. And, but I don't fight him. I have disagreements with him. And we work to solution. If I have to fight him, he's now my enemy. I want to use you two as a, as a physical for a second. Come get up. Both of you. I'm sorry. Can you please get up? That sounded really bossy. I want you to turn around. Okay. I want you to stand right here. Okay. Stand right here. With this arrangement, if anybody is shooting at his back, you've got advantage points to shoot them. From where you're standing, if anybody comes for her back, they got to come through you. You will pick them off. Now, the reason this is essential is if we're in fighting stance, this is the fighting stance. I'm covering you, you're covering me. I got your six. Okay? When you decide to get out of or onto your own thing, your rooted stuff, you then do this. Turn around and face each other. This is called friendly fire. Everybody going to get hurt. Because number one, you're shooting at each other, but who's covering your back? This is not fighting fair because I'm trying to hurt you. I'm not fighting you. I may disagree with you, but turn around. I'm fighting the enemy because if they're going to get to him, they're going to get through you, Sarah. And something tells me you are tenacious in the spirit and you will fight hell tooth and nail to ensure that his back is covered and vice versa great man of God they will not get to your good thing without you praying against hell and shutting everything down that would come against her have a seat that is how you fight which means you're never fighting each other you may disagree but you're not fighting each other so fighting fair is not fighting fair because you're not fighting. You're disagreeing. We're fighting the enemy. One more question. One more question. Yeah, there you go. I could, I could ask a thousand questions, but just to wrap it up, I guess, are there any words of wisdom you have that we don't have the wisdom to even ask the right question for that you would share with us? Yeah.
You got your bestie girlfriends. Hey, girl, how you doing? And you got your road dogs. But they never be like the best friend you have here. I think in that friendship, and I'm not interested in that. was actually the one I was thinking about. I remember something about my grandparents. I remember 56 years. And of course, I came later in the relationship. I came in later when they were older. And all the cutesy romantic stuff, you know, that was already all you guys. But I remember one of the things I remember about their relationship that stayed with me as long as you stay over their house, it'd be like 5 o'clock in the morning, because they were old, so they got up early. I don't know what it is, but old people be in the early day. But they would lay there and they would be sitting there talking, and all of a sudden I would hear like laughter out the wazoo, just cracking up. They're sitting there talking, I mean, they're rolling. And I'm laughing at their laughter. Now, a lot had gone on I didn't know about their marriage. A lot had gone on where things were questionable and this and that and so on and so forth. But what they have learned was to be friends and to walk in the cool of the day together. The friendship matters because when the butterflies stop and you're not feeling so romantic and y'all ain't in the mood for love, you know, don't act like some white people don't get married because they're ready for that. But what happens when that can't be the case? What happens if someone is sick? What happens if they're just not in that place? What happens when those things aren't there? Can you laugh and talk? Can you discuss the word and the spiritual baby jumps in you and the spiritual baby jumps in him because y'all are speaking purpose to each other? Because you've interceded for one another and God is showing you things about one another. Because again, before he's ever going to be your husband and before she's ever going to be your wife, she's your sister in Christ. Don't lose the friendship. Don't lose the focus. For when this is done, you will both bow before the king. We want to take this opportunity right now as we bring this to a close. First and foremost, we want to thank Andrew and We want to bless them as they prepare for their upcoming. We bless them. We bless the union of God upon them. We bless the union of God upon them. Father God, for you instituted marriage. You instituted marriage. You instituted this covenant. And so, Father God, we pray the blessing of this covenant upon them. In the name of Jesus, let oil pour life from Aaron's beard. Let Psalm 133 drench their marriage that the commanded blessing would be their norm. The commanded blessing would be their norm because unity will be their portion. They will not walk in division, Lord God. For what you call them to do requires that they cover one another. One in the watchtower and one on the field at all times. Father God, you'll have to cover one another. You pray, we pray blessing, blessing, blessing. Over an abundance, Father God, for them and for the couples they will one day switch seats with us for and pour into in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We want to take this opportunity just to pray for marriages. Pray for marriages. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we lift up every marriage to you. God. We lift up their friendships, Lord God. We pray and ask Heavenly Father that you will cultivate, that you will develop the friendships, Lord God. Let them laugh, Lord God. Let them laugh, Lord Jesus. Let them, Heavenly Father, uh, feel you in the midst of their friendship, Lord God. Father, we pray and ask Heavenly Father that in these marriages, Lord God, that Father, they will allow Jesus to come in that they will allow Jesus to come in and to show them what God has ordained in the name of Jesus. Father God, we pray, Heavenly Father, over communication. We pray and ask, Heavenly Father, that you will help marriages come together in communication. Help them, Lord God, to listen. Help them to speak in love, to speak with grace. Let them not scar each other, Heavenly Father, but let them be a part of the healing process. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, we ask, oh God, that you would just bring the marriage together in a way, Heavenly Father, that this world does not know. Yeah. We pray and ask, Heavenly Father, that, Lord God, what you have ordained, that you would supply the marriages with knowledge, that they understand who they are as men and women, that they understand how to forgive properly, that they understand how to communicate, that they understand how to walk with you, that they can better walk with each other. Yeah. Yes, Father, bring healing. Bring understanding. Bring knowledge yeah. through your word. Send your Holy Spirit into the homes of those who are God who have a covenant with you. Send your Holy Spirit, Heavenly Father, into the homes, Heavenly Father, where they are not getting along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, walk with them that they stop pointing the finger. But that, Father God, in the name of Jesus, you will show them, Lord God, where it is rooted. Father God, let us not grow weary or be afraid to say, baby, I'm sorry. Yeah. Forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me. And that, Father God, as we forgive, let us not be in a position to bring it back up when we feel that we want to make a point. Come on. Release. Bring release. 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 In the name. Father God, we just even pray right now for marriages that are doing well. Father God, that you would even burden their hearts, Father God, to go deeper in you. That go deeper in you, not to get caught up in it's great right now, Father God. That we would focus our hearts on what are you saying to do now? What couple should I be praying for? What should I be praying for as for marriages? What should I be doing, Lord God? Lord God, I just thank you for this covenant. Your covenant. This is yours. This wasn't just because you had nothing to do. You established it, Jesus. And we offer your covenant back to you and say, show us how to walk your blueprint, your way, in a way that brings you glory in an age that wants to do what it wants to do. We put back and yield ourselves and submit. Show us how to do this the way you said. In the name of Jesus, that Mary's will have power in the kingdom. There will be power in the kingdom that affects generations, generations, to walk it as unto you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we give them all a big round of applause? Right there in the chat. Give them some applause emojis. Listen, I want you to stand up with me. We, we're going to close in just a second. There's a question I want to ask you guys, but you're going to have to give me the Presbyterian version, not the Pentecostal version, because we already went over time. Um, I don't believe in the one. And I'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when I talk about singleness. But how did you know that this was the one for you? Right? How did you know that this was the person you wanted to marry? Were there signs? Did you feel? Because I, I think some people are watching and maybe somebody who's engaged or in a relationship or trying to figure out, how do, I, how do I figure out there's one? And I think it's different for every person. God speaks differently. But just really quick, how did God do it for each four of you guys where you felt like, man, I think this is the one I want to spend the rest of my life with? Awesome. I'll go first. Um, you don't know. You just know. So you can't explain it. My sister asked that same question. Well, how do you know Demetri is the right one. I just know. Mm. I can't explain it. Okay. I can go. Um, just the way that I'm built. I don't like something because it's the best thing. I like something because it's mine. Um, and Andrew slowly just became my person. And he didn't, um, he shouldn't belong to anybody else. Not in that possessive way, but still, I think the more we we connected the more we grew in our relationships. Like he's he's my person. 
and I don't want to spend the rest of my life with anybody else. So I think that's how I need it. For me, it's, yeah, I mean, I don't, I feel like I never knew, like, oh, I found the one. But what I did feel was, I want to commit to this one. It's not that, like, oh, it just happened to fit her. He's like, this is the one I'm going to make work. Like, I'm going to choose this one. Yes. It wasn't that I, dis- I discovered it. Andrew said, what do you that's a good answer. Stay up here, we're going to close. One of the things I love about our church is that we come from different backgrounds. We're all in different stages of life. Even if you look on this stage, you've got a Korean couple that's uh, engaged, going to be married now that we know it's February. Thanks, Andrew. Pretty sure we'll pay a price for that later. Um, we've got an African-American couple um, that's, I mean, how long have you been? 17? 17 years. And then you have this big old single guy. Who's, it's my wife who's watching. I just want to say, hey, I'm not married, but I believe by faith that she's watching. Church, if you want a first lady, you better clap your hands and say amen. All right. This has been great. I promise you, we'll probably have to deal with marriage again because this thing needs a a whole series by itself. But one of the things that we believe is that family matters to us uh, in every stage of it, whether you're engaged, whether you're single. I'll be talking in a couple weeks about how singleness fits into our family. With all that said, no matter where you are in your relationships, we're going to bless it. We're going to believe that God's going to bless it. If that's not the one that you're supposed to be with, God has something for you, I'm going to pray that God gives you the grace to obey Him, all right? So let me just pray a quick prayer. I'm going to wrap this all up. And then I want you to come and join us this afternoon at 3 o'clock for our town hall. For more information on that, you can just go to thecolide.com slash town hall. Let's all stand in the room this morning. Hasn't this been good? Can we say thank you to these guys? A big God bless you. Come on. We love you. Lord, in a culture that is trying to destroy your definition of family, we boldly stand here in San Francisco, California, and we declare that, God, marriage is ordained by you. And so, Lord, uh, for those who are in our church in different stages of relationships, we pray for a blessing to be over them, God. God, for those who might be getting over a divorce or a broken heart and um, they're trying to re-engage with relationship, God, we pray for healing and wholeness, God. God, we pray for the couples that might be going through a rough time that you bless them. God, and I pray for the couples that are doing real good right now. I pray that you would uh, send them to folks who need their advice and their wisdom and the tools, God. Lord, I'm not married, but I know it's hard, God. I've seen enough people uh, to see that marriage is not easy, that it is a ministry that we minister to one another, but we minister to you as a couple. God, I pray that that revelation will begin to sink deep into the heart of every single couple who's a part of our church. And God, when we get tired and we don't feel like loving again, would you remind us that you've never divorced us, God? You've never given up on us. You've married a backslidden bride. So Lord, we pray peace in every family and every relationship. We, we say peace to the hostility in the home right now. I feel that right now. Hostility in the home, we speak peace. And Lord, we pray that a renewed joy in relationships would come about. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.